Hello, I'm Brittany Wilson. I'm Nia Wasink, and you're listening to The, the Nonprofit, Nonprofit Reframe, Reframe, the Minisode. Welcome back to The Nonprofit Reframe. I am thrilled to be back for our, I think this is our eighth or ninth mini-sode, but about the same topic as our very first one. No way! Really? Yes. Our very first mini-sode ever was your gala follow-up. Oh, I love it. Well, here we are. It's been a year. Another year, another gala. (laughs) So last year... Um, we had some questions for you about the experience, but this year, I mean, so different, virtual. So different, so different. So we are recording this on Friday, March 12, which is what, three days after the event? Three days post-event. So just quick check-in, how are you feeling? You know what? I'm feeling really good. Really, really good. That's phenomenal. Um, last year, we also checked in on your dresses because you had done a Mad Dash purchase of seven of them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So there's one difference. I was not in front of the camera, so I wore jeans and a t-shirt. How does it feel just showing up to a gala in jeans and a t-shirt? <laughs> well, what's funny is my coworker was asking me what we should wear, and she said, do you think you know, we should just be business casual. And she was asking me as her supervisor. And I said, you know what? When are we ever going to be able to just be comfortable? I'm like, you wear whatever you want, girlfriend. I'm wearing (laughs) jeans and a (laughs) t-shirt. Awesome. (laughs) It was fantastic. The joys of virtual galas. I know, right? There are so many. So I'm just going to preface this. I am in love with the virtual gala. (laughs) Which is funny because last year you were one of the last events to get in before the pandemic really hit and started shutting things down and you were saying how relieved you were that you got your gala in. True, true. And I am still glad that that happened because had our gala, had we had the shutdown, you know, a, a week to a month before we would have been hard-pressed to pull off a really um, high, what do I want to say, like a well-done virtual Mm -hmm. gala. So I want to just clarify that while I love the virtual gala now, um, I think it's because I've also had the benefit of seeing everybody do them for the past year. Yeah. And so we went into this event – You know, it was kind of fun in the sense of that it was an unknown, that there was all this stuff. It it was kind of stretching into um, my discomfort zone (laughs) (laughs) because I pride myself on having a lot of experience with galas and feeling like I've gotten to a place in my career where I can do them fairly well. Um, that's not to say that there aren't mistakes made because there are every single year. There was this year, um, which we'll get to in a minute. But but I feel like I, I know enough about it that I know um, sort of for my attendees what works, what doesn't work, and can kind of maximize the experience. But I didn't for this. And so there was a lot there was a big learning curve and a lot of research done at the front end 
even before we started planning this, of calling other nonprofits and talking to their event people about their events. So we probably interviewed four or five different organizations here locally to get a sense of what worked for them, what lessons they learned, and then um, did a couple of online webinars. You know how they have those about, you know, how to engage people during a virtual gala, that kind of thing. So really took notes uh, before we started the planning process. And you attended a bunch yourself over the last 12 months. True. Yep, exactly. Yeah. So I think that that's, you know, first and foremost for somebody who's going to go into that space is that, you know, really do your research. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Again, last year in our mini-sode, we talked about the 48 hours prior to the event and how hellacious they were. What were the 48 hours before your virtual event like? Night and day. (laughs) Night and day. So I'm just going to say right now that we highly underestimate the cost done to our that's not making sense, the cost of the the burden of these these events on our staff. Right. How taxing it is. Absolutely exhausting. I mean, it usually takes me two to three weeks to kind of power back up afterwards. I'm an extrovert, but I have, when I expend my energy like that, um, it takes me a long time to kind of build up the reserves again. And uh, last year I got really sick So I just, I don't think that we do enough to talk about that and factor that into whether or not these types of events are worth it. Mm -hmm. It's like at what cost, you know? And yeah, it leads to burnout, but more than that, it leads to like physical deterioration. (laughs) I mean, I feel like they take years off my life. It's funny you say that, actually, because I was um, reading an article this week, and they were encouraging us to stop using the term burnout in nonprofits and instead exploitation, which is genuinely what it is. That's so true. Yes. Yeah, because burnout makes it feel like I didn't take care of myself, right? Like it's on me as the employee to have found that balance. But really, it's the organization that is making this happen. Absolutely. And, you know, when we're doing in-person galas, it's not uncommon for me to be at work past nine o'clock, past midnight sometimes. Last year on the pod, you said you were up at work until 1 a.m. the night before. Yeah. Yeah. And we're like, you know, printing programs or signs or name tags or, you know, whatever that is, doing last minute changes to the guest list, to getting people's food diet restrictions and having to mark those down. I mean, there's just so many moving parts and there's a lot of moving parts in a virtual gala too, do not get me wrong. And there was a lot of work. We worked over the weekend for it. Um, But first of all, it happened on a Tuesday night, not on a Saturday. Mm -hmm. Um, which I know for good or bad I didn't necessarily have a Sunday the next day off to be able to but you know we could take it easy Mm -hmm. and um, I was home the whole time so now that we're working from home I mean I went into the office for a couple things but like 99.9% of the work was done from home 
And then um, I was actually physically home after the event at 9.15 p.m. That's amazing. It's amazing. Yeah. It's glorious. That just reminded me. I totally forgot about this memory. Do you remember? This must have been four or five years ago. It was the day of your gala. And there was something, I think maybe even the event management company had messed something up and you had to do like a last minute mail merge and your software was glitching. So you emailed it to me at home and I did the mail merge for you so that then you could print it off at the office to go to the gala that night. Fuck. I um, I don't <laughs> even remember that, but that does not surprise me at all. <laughs> at all. Yeah, I mean, I have definitely been in the office up until two hours before the gala starts, Mm -hmm. like finishing last minute stuff. Mm -hmm. There's always stuff that's going to go wrong, right? I say that every year. I prepare my staff. I prepare my board. I prepare my boss. There will always be something that goes wrong every year. But hopefully, as we learn year over year, whatever that is becomes a smaller and smaller thing. Totally. Um, this year we woke up on Tuesday and the software that we had purchased just for this event, the bidding software, decided to do a, um, upgrade overnight. (laughs) And so the interface looked different. It wasn't massively different, but it, we had created slides for the event that, were screenshots showing people exactly what Mm. the interface looked like and which button to press in order to bid. And they changed the name of the button and it was a different color. And so, you know, that was kind of one little thing that was like, you know, Mm -hmm. do we have to go back and change the slides? You know, do we have to change the script? Mm. Which that change didn't make it in the, because we were very fortunate to have the use of teleprompters this year and so I had already sent the script to the production company and they fed it into the teleprompter and so that change didn't make it doesn't I mean at the end of the day it was fine yeah people didn't have problems bidding but you're always going to have those blips Mm -hmm. do you have one word of advice for folks looking to do a virtual event so yes this is what I say we at my organization, have spent the last few years working really hard to elevate our event, okay? And I did not want to lose that just because it was virtual. So you can still put on a very well-produced, high-end event virtually. And it's my opinion that you have to, what makes a good fundraiser is when you you know what those things are that's worth paying money for because sometimes you have to spend money to make money. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that's one of our biggest gripes with galas in the first place, right? An in-person event costing $50,000 or more to put it on. It's ridiculous. So the virtual ga- virtual gala is a lot less expensive, like a fraction of the cost. But I do think that there are some key things that's worth investing in. And we invested in an auctioneer, even though that auction 
looks a lot different online than in person. But just having somebody who is really poised on camera and can go with the flow and manage any kind of hiccups that might happen, I think is invaluable. Um, And we also invested in a production company. And having that level, like not me behind the screen trying to decide how I can play a video without (laughs) it, you know, them seeing my controls or making that transition seamless or now they can't hear the video or it's all glitchy. It was, I mean, worth a thousand times to be able to go into a studio where this is what they do. They have all the equipment in place. Those transitions are seamless. They have the bandwidth of the internet that they're not going to have those glitches. Um, So I, I do think that there are ways to make it a very classy event and it'll come back to you in spades. Most importantly, did you hit your budget? We did hit our budget, but before I say that, I want to tell you my other big snafu because I just want to be very vulnerable. I was worried you weren't (laughs) going to share it. (laughs) No, no, no. I want, no, absolutely. So uh, that's so funny. You thought I would, let's pretend like this never happened and never talk about it again. Um, So I'm coining it the 15 minutes of terror. (laughs) Absolute fucking panic. Like, It was so intense. I don't think I'll ever forget the feeling of my stomach dropping. And so here, again, you're always going to mess up, right? You're always going to mess up. Something's going to happen. Well, when you create a Zoom webinar, you can choose a level of webinar that will allow X amount of guests. And because we had purchased our webinar package from Zoom six months ago when we did a webinar that we only expected 30 to 50 people to attend. We just bought the up to 100 participants. (laughs) We've done four webinars since then. None of them had 100 participants. So we never noticed that it was capped at 100 until we hosted an event that had 250 people or households, not even people, households that we're supposed to join. And we are one minute, production company says one minute till showtime. And all of a sudden our phones start going off like crazy because the webinar had capped at 100 people and there were essentially 150 households waiting to gain entry into our webinar. (laughs) It sucked. Yeah. It sucked, but at least we hadn't already started. Mm-hmm. Had we started and then realized over half the people weren't on there, um, I think it would have been even more awkward. Oh, for sure. We immediately jumped into action and um, ended up, couldn't upgrade, just note to yep. self, you cannot upgrade in the middle of an event, <laughs> <laughs> your Zoom. <laughs> And um, ended up broadcasting to YouTube. Luckily, we had already done that integration before, and so we knew how to do it. Um, So got it so that it was casting to YouTube, texted out, emailed out that link. We lost some people. There's some people, my boss's um, father didn't make make the jump. (laughs) Um, 
it's hard, right? Mm-hmm. For people that are not using this technology every day. Yeah. I mean, I know I spent time with my parents doing a practice to get Aww. them to be able to get on Zoom and cast it to their TV. And then all of a sudden it's like, it's not on there anymore. It's on this new website on YouTube. So it was not ideal, but most people made the jump. We gave people time to get on before we started. We started 20 minutes late um, and had the most successful gala to date. Yay! Yay! We blew our goal so out of the water beyond anything I could have ever expected. It was it was exciting. I've said for weeks now, you know, we're going to miss that magic in the room that happens during the paddle raise, but somehow we were still able to create that magic virtually. People were cheering, jumping up and down because we hit our goal. So we created a new goal mid-program, and then we hit that. I did some high kicks that left me um, really sore the (laughs) next day. It was so fun. And, you know, I think what allowed us to do it is, first of all, we had twice as many people there than we could ever have shoved into a ballroom Mm -hmm. somewhere. Um, And we did a lot of pre-work because that's what I was told. You know, you... You can't be relying on people giving in the moment, even though people definitely did, but start talking to your donors beforehand and really get those commitments beforehand. So we had a nice match that helped. Um, and then we had a couple of lead gifts that we knew were going to you know, start the momentum. And it was just this waterfall of generosity. And it was really inspiring. I think that's a really important thing for listeners to realize, too. I feel like there's been this this rumor that people are so burned out on virtual events. They're not going. They're not giving. And that's just not the case. I mean, yeah, there is more pre-work for sure. You got to make sure that the right folks are engaged, that you're communicating in advance. You're not going to get the you know, random friend of a friend who's never heard of the organization and gives 50K at the paddle raise, right? But that's okay because you're actually getting better donors because they're that much more committed to you attending and they're giving at higher rates because they really care. I mean, if you think about it, people normally, if they were going to come to the event, would have to pay a high ticket price per person then they're potentially, you know, there's the whole, do I buy a new dress or new clothes or new shoes? Or there's all this expenses that, of course, you can choose whether you opt in or opt out of. But at the end of the day, it's a huge barrier to entry. Yeah. And so this just felt so much more equitable. You know, we still had a ticket price. It wasn't free, um, but it was a lot, lot, lot less than... And you had more options. And more options. So we had this food component that people could opt into if they wanted, but they didn't have to. They could just buy a screening link and um, they could tune in from home, you know, and they didn't have to pay for childcare. They didn't have to... um, No Ubering home? No no Ubering home. They could get drunk on their own couch. (laughs) Safer so, all around. <laughs> yes. 
So it's just really opened my eyes to this new way of fundraising. I mean, I say new in quotes, but um, it was new for me. And not every event can translate that seamlessly. You know, we did a walk run back in September virtual and it was okay, but it wasn't, you know, like this was. Yeah. Um, so I'm not saying I'm pro no in-person events. Um, you know, people miss that connection and I see the value in it, but we made a heck of a lot more than we thought we were going to and with a lot less exploitation. I love it. I know. Congratulations. Thank you. I'm a fan. I'm a huge fan. <laughs> and there's al- there's always going to be tech issues. Always tech issues. That's good advice. <laughs> And listeners, as always, you can follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Nonprofit Reframe. Email us your virtual gala stories, horror or otherwise, nonprofitreframe at gmail.com. I don't know. Was I supposed to say give and give generously? You could just say thanks. <laughs> thanks. <laughs> <laughs> thanks, everyone. Here we go. We would like to thank our sponsors. Mission Launch is a Colorado-based nonprofit consulting firm focusing on fundraising and board governance. You can learn more at missionlaunchco.com and Jake Walker Music, who provides our theme music. You can find him at jakewalkermusic.org. Thank you so much.